If you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. And towards the very end of that Gospel, Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be reading verses 18, or excuse me, we'll start with 16. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And I want to invite you now to stand with me as we read the Word of God. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain in which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we take your word and the promises that it gives us. And we realize that we live and breathe by these very promises and by your power that you've given us, by your spirit guiding us. Lord, we pray we'd be open to what you have to say and that you would strengthen and build your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Julia, as you move forward in your life, and by the way, I'm not going to preach directly to you the whole time, so before you freak out, it's okay. But as you move forward, um, there will be some interesting things ahead, some challenges ahead. And, and for instance, uh, if you take the college route, then one of the things that you will most likely face is speech 101, freshman speech class. And you know, it's interesting, um, things people will do to get out of that class, and I've actually heard that you can take it online now. That is totally not fair. Totally for those who ever suffered through that. You know, most people would do almost anything, or a large percentage of the population would do almost anything rather than have to get up in front of a group and, and talk and all attention be, be focused. Now, you may be used to that because you had to sit there at that free throw line and, you know, have all that attention focused on you. But for a lot of us, that's really nerve-wracking. And it's interesting, along with public speaking, one of the types of of communication or speech that really scares a lot of people is sharing the gospel, is evangelism. All of us as Christians, we know we should tell people about Jesus. We know it's something that, you know, we love him and we should share that. But a lot of times people kind of get nervous and, and overwhelmed at the thought of sharing their faith. And so this morning, I want us to think about um, why it's not so hard as we actually think. Uh, how Jesus makes it possible, how he makes it, how he empowers us so that we can be sharing our faith in a natural way. And so I want us to think about these few verses this morning, and um, they're actually kind of alliterated. My points, I don't often do that, but if you're a note taker, hey, I got some clear points, and they're alliterated and everything. But the first thing I want us to see this morning is that Christ's power makes it possible. Christ's power makes sharing our faith possible. Jesus looked and, um, at this group, 
And I, and I love, this is why we kind of started back at verse 16 instead of verse 18, where what we know of the Great Commission actually appears. But we started at verse 16 because it tells us that he was with the disciples. And verse 17 says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, just like the children's message that we saw this morning, we all had the, the choice if we were going to believe or if we are going to doubt. And, and even the disciples, the ones who heard Jesus was alive, yet the, the life circumstances, the difficulty that they went through, there was still some doubt there. There was still some fear. And here he was. Yeah, he, he'd come back to life, but man, he just died. And they went through all that stuff of his trial and his crucifixion and burial. And now all of a sudden he's about to leave them again. And so, you know, he's telling them everything's going to be fine. But they're worried. They're doubting. They're like, I'm going into something new. Okay, it's like being the new kid in school. How am I going to handle this? What is life going to be like in college or on the workforce or on this new place that I'm entering into? How is it going to be? And so the Bible is so real. It doesn't say, oh, and they were all super Christians and, and they were all pumped and ready to go. The Bible's so real. It talks about these guys who had been with Jesus every day for three years and it says, yeah, they worship, but some of them were kind of iffy, just like we're kind of iffy sometimes, just like we can, we can start to doubt. And Jesus says these words to them, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And then he tells them what he wants them to do. Now, if we don't get this in context, if we don't understand it, it just sounds like Jesus kind of bragging or something. You know, by the way, fellas, I want you to tell, I want you to know, I've got all authority, you know, okay, Jesus, that's, that's great. We know you're the son of God. Why, why are you telling us this now? He's telling us that his power makes it possible. His power makes it possible. He's saying, listen, you're not doing this on your own. A lot of times we think about sharing our faith as kind of being this judgy person, like, like I'm, no, I'm not, I don't know if I can go up to someone and share with them and get that personal with them. We think, who am I to tell someone else about what they should believe? It's not about who you are, it's about who Jesus is. I want you to imagine an old Western movie, okay? And, and there's, some, there's some stuff going on. The outlaws are coming into town. And the sheriff is getting ready for all these outlaws about to come. Everybody knows there's about to be big trouble. Now, in every one of these old Western movies, what's the sheriff do? He gathers up some men. He says, men, I'm going to deputize you, okay? And they all have to stand up there. They have to you know, give their oath, and then they get the badge. Because all of a sudden, once they're deputized, they're no, no longer just another cowboy with a gun. Once they are deputized, once they have that badge, they carry the authority of the law. And so instead of just one little person on their own doing their own thing with their own stick shooter, they are now part of the law. And we understand that today. When someone pulls you over, an officer, whether it's highway patrol or police officer, you don't just look at them and say, uh, no, I can take you, buddy. I'm not, I'm not going to take this ticket for you. I'm not going to listen to you. No, we know that badge and that gun and that car, it all says they're more than just one man or woman. They have the authority 
uh, of the government, whether it be the local government or the state government or the national government, they have an authority behind them. And therefore, what they're doing is not about them. It's not about whether they're super smart or they're worthy of us obeying. It's the fact that they carry the authority and the power of the government with them. And so when Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and then he gives them their marching orders, he's saying, I know you guys are fearful and you're doubtful and you've been through a lot and you don't know what the future holds and you don't know what's coming next and you're kind of worried about how everything's going to work out. Guess what? It's not about you. See, a lot of us worry I'm not witty enough or smart enough or I don't have great enough communication skills or intelligence. Guess what? God is the creator of this universe. If he wanted you to make you smarter or more witty or, or more eloquent, he could have. Take that up with him, okay, if you're disturbed about that fact. But guess what? God says that he likes to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He uses the weak things of this world to overcome the powerful things. In other words, warts and all, all of our flaws, all of our failures, even if we think I'm not smart enough or I'm not quick enough with my tongue or I don't have the best, all the theology I should, God says it doesn't matter because it's not about you. God says, it's about me. And that's what Jesus was saying. God the Father has given me all authority and power. And under that shield, under that badge of authority and power, now you are there for to go out and to share with people about me. So the first thing we learn is that Christ's power makes it possible. Second, his plan makes it practical. Isn't it great here that he gives us a plan? Verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then verse 19, here's the plan. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Christ's plan makes it practical. You see, a lot of us, like I said, if I asked, is evangelism, is sharing your faith, is that a good thing, is that a thing Christians should do? We would say, yeah, of course, in theory, yes, you know, just like we were taught that A squared plus B squared equals C squared, but yet it's not something that we're going to use in our daily life. Well, you know, we, we think, well, yeah, that evangelism, sharing our faith, that's a good thing. But a lot of us don't think of it as a very practical thing. We think, I don't know. Sure, I want to do it. I agree that God has the authority and he's told me to do it. But I don't know how to do it. And Jesus lays out a very simple plan. This plan that makes it very practical. Four things that are part of this plan. Number one, we are to move Christians. We are to move. Number one, move. What do you say? Go, therefore. We are to be on the go. We are to not sit and soak and sour, but we are to go and to spread. We're not to hide our candle, right? We're not to keep that light hidden. We're to shine. We're to be out there and mo- moving and going. Thinking about um, this Sunday being our graduation Sunday, I thought about a, a very p- prolific author, who, was, who is acclaimed as being brilliant and has won multiple 
or did win multiple, multiple awards over the course of his lifetime. And of course, I'm talking about Dr. Seuss. And Dr. Seuss wrote a book called, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Oh, the Places You'll Go. Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know. And you're the guy who'll decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets. Look them over there with care. About some you'll say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And you may not find any you want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. And that's the end of the Kindle sample book. Okay. And there's about 50 more pages to that story, so we wouldn't have time to read them all anyway. But Dr. Seuss tells us, <laughs> I finally made Tyler laugh. I feel really good. <laughs> Whether it's at me or with me, I don't care, brother. I made you laugh, so I feel pretty good. Uh, <laughs> we're all, like Dr. Seuss recognized, we end up going all kinds of places in our life. And, and we think about, Julia, you graduating and, and, and Cassidy, her graduating from college, and we're all thinking all oh, the life ahead of you, and that is so true. But even no matter what, you, what age you are, I mean, there's things that happen to you at 30 that you couldn't have imagined at 20. And there's things that happen to you at 45 that you couldn't have imagined happened at 35. And, and, and on and on it goes. I mean, the places we'll go, literally, only God knows, right? Only God knows what we will face in this life, for good or for bad, I mean, or, or all in between. Why do I bring that up? Because a lot of the New Testament scholars say that while you can translate this verb in the Great Commission as go therefore and share the gospel, a lot of them say it's also equally valid to translate it as you are going. Make disciples. In other words, you may not be going to Africa or Asia or South America as a missionary, and that's okay. Jesus is saying to us, wherever you go, wherever your career path takes you, wherever future relationships take you, wherever you go in life, wherever you are led, wherever you end up, no matter where you are, this is what you should be doing. You should be making disciples. You should be following this plan I have for your, for your life. So we are all to move. Secondly, we are to mark disciples. We move disciples, we mark disciples. I won't camp out here for a long time, but this is about baptism. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the mark which we assign to people when they say, yes, I believe. If they're an adult convert and they come to Christ, they say, I believe. If it's an infant who is baptized, we baptize them as a church family along with their family in the hopes that one day when they are old enough to make a choice on their own, that they will say, yes, I was marked by my family. They were going to raise me as a Christian, and now I'm old enough. Now I understand, and I choose to validate that. I choose to claim that baptism that I received as a child. I choose to believe. Baptism is important. I don't believe it's what gets you into heaven. 
We all know about the sinner, the, 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 the thief on the cross next to Jesus. He didn't have time to go get, get down off that cross and get baptized, did he? But yet Jesus knew his belief, and he said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And yet, for those of us who are able to be baptized, it is a sign that we should take proudly, that we're saying, uh, not pride in ourselves, but pride in God, to say, I'm on God's team. I publicly want to follow him and identify with his people. So this practical plan is to move disciples, to mark disciples. Then we mature disciples. We teach them. It's not enough just to say, Jesus loves you. He saves you from your sins. All right, now just go and love everybody and everything will be okay. Now, it'd be wonderful if we all tried to love everybody. But guess what? There's lots of things we need to learn about how to love. How we love God means that we're going to behave in certain ways. And if we love our neighbors as ourselves, like he tells us to, that tells us about a lot of other things that we're going to do or not do. And we're supposed to teach. We're supposed to train. We're supposed to educate. We mature disciples, and along with that, we mobilize. Think about the National Guard. When you hear they've been activated or they've been mobilized, what do we know? We know that beforehand they were already trained, they were already equipped, they were ready. But once they are, once they are activated, then they're out there on the move. And you know that Jesus never wanted us just to know just for, for more knowledge. It's not just about information. It's about transformation. It's about putting a plan into action. This plan, this very practical plan he gives us is, we want not only to teach people for head knowledge so that we all know that the answer is Jesus. You know, boy, it, it's, it's great. It, we got to start somewhere. We got to learn the facts. And I love it when we hear these kids down here and, and, and they're spitting out the story of Thomas before you can even get to it, right? That, that's awesome as they're learning and growing. But part of that is we go beyond just the stories, and we start un helping them understand that this is to be activated in your life. It's not just something you know. It's a way that you live, that you walk with Jesus, that you follow his commands. And you see, if we do that, then we have created a cycle that goes on and on and on. We move, going. We make disciples. They believe, they baptize. We help them mature, we teach them. Then we, we motivate them, we activate them. And they get into action. And what do they do? Well, they move. And they share the gospel. And they bring people to Jesus. We are to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And if a disciple is a big word for you, it's like, oh, that's a Bible word, what does that mean? It simply means follower. We're to do our best to get people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It's not about you and your ability or lack of ability. It's about following God's simple plan. It's his power, number one. It's his plan, number two. If it's not about your power or strength, and it's not about your genius and coming up with some plan, that makes it a lot better. 
But the final question that comes out is, okay, I know that it's your power, Jesus. I'm, I'm under your authority. I'm under your shield. And I know you even have a very practical plan just telling people about Jesus and helping them grow and mature in their faith so then they can turn around and do that same thing. I understand all that, but still I'm kind of scared. Still I'm kind of nervous. Still this makes me a little bit awkward. What do I do? And that's what I love about this last point is that Christ's presence makes it personal. Christ's presence makes it personal. What did he say? Verse 20, teaching them to command all things that I have commanded you, to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I remember one time being in a church and I heard a really bad joke about a guy who said he didn't believe in flying airplanes because he said, God said, lo, I am with you always, not up there in the air. Okay, that's not what Jesus was about here. Jesus, when he used that word that's translated low here, or sometimes in the Bible would be translated behold, your more modern translations might say something like, wake up, focus in, all eyes on me. You ever have a coach that said that? All eyes on me. Listen up. He said, of all this stuff I'm telling you, I don't want you to miss this last thing, and that's I am going to be with you. Whenever you feel afraid, whenever you feel scared, whatever it is, I'm with you. It's what that song, the anchor we sang about, is about. He is the anchor for our soul. Where No matter how nervous or scared or worried or doubtful we may be, guess what? We're not alone because God is with us. Making disciples is simply sharing the best news you've ever heard with your very best friend in the world right beside you and with you. That's very simply what evangelism is, telling the best news you've ever heard with your best friend in the world right beside you because there's nobody else who loves you like Jesus does. This isn't about following a script. Years ago when I was an associate pastor, we were entering into a, uh, a, a time in our church where we did this very special evangelism training. It was, called, it was called faith evangelism. And I could still, you know, quote the outline for you. F is for forgiveness. Everybody needs for forgiveness. But, hey, how do you get it? A. A is for available. But guess what? It's not automatic. And you go through all the points. And, and, and our pastor left halfway through this 16-week training course. And so me as the associate pastor, I picked it up and led the rest of the course and I'll never uh, forget, one day, Miss Judy came to me. Miss Judy's a wonderful lady. She was an elementary school um, principal. And she said, but Tim said, I, I just don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know if I'm going to be good at this, this whole thing with sharing my faith through faith outline. I said, well, talk to me about it, Judy. She said, well, I, I'm just not real good with these formal little outlines and plans and stuff but what I do like to do and then she went into telling me about how she reached her teachers and her students and her neighbors and basically she was sharing the gospel all over the place through just little kind acts and kind words and people were coming to Christ I said, Judy, let's crumple up this little outline. You don't need this acronym. It's, it's not about following somebody else's made-up little outline or saying all the right words. 
It's about loving Jesus and letting that love shine through to others and sharing with them. This isn't a guilt sermon sometimes when we talk to, to um, Christians about evangelism. It's a guilt thing. You ought to. You better. You should have. Guess what? We all should have. <laughs> we, we've all failed our maximum potential to share the gospel in every chance that we should. That, that's not the fo- The devil would like for us to focus on that, on our failure and on our fear. But God wants us to understand, I love you so much, I died for you. And I also died for everyone that you'll ever come into contact with your whole life. And, and I simply want you to know, I've got some power, some authority. And guess what? I'm going to let you piggyback on that. So you don't have to worry, ever wonder, do I have the right? Absolutely. In fact, I've been told this is what I need to do. And guess what? I got a plan. So you don't have to figure out some magic formula and, and stress out about it. I just follow what the Bible tells me to do. And most important, you've got my presence. No matter where you go, who you face, where it is, what you've done or what they've done, who they are, I am with you, your very best friend in the world, right by your side while you share the very best news you've ever heard. And that is what sharing our gospel and our faith is all about. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so very, very much that you have recognized that, that God, you've all called us into different places. Some of us will one day move overseas, and some of us will one day move to another part of the country, and maybe some of us to the next county, and Some of us may never get out of our parents' house. God, we're going to be in all kinds of different places, but you tell us that wherever we go, as we go, you got a plan for us because you want to bless others through us just like you blessed us through someone else. Help us to understand that there is a world who desperately needs to know about the hope that's found in Jesus Christ and that because of what you've already provided for us, we can join right in your plan and we can be a part of your powerful, powerful work. Father, be with us now. Bless this time of invitation. God, as we respond to your work in our life, may our response be yes, Lord, yes. May our response be trust and obey for there's no other way. May our response be, I surrender all. God, whatever you've called us to do, give us soft hearts so that we will believe and we will obey just as you've called us to do. And Lord, for those who are here today and and are hurting or confused or in some kind of need, God, may you meet and touch every need as we seek you as our great healer. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.